like I was sure that if I had my torch on, I'd just raise my phone and there'd be a, a person standing there. My name is Lydia, you're listening to Psychic-ish, the podcast for psychic-ish people who just want to live normal lives. Yep, that's right, we exist and it's hard, (laughs) but we get through it, you know, because we're strong. (laughs) You did not tune in for a pep talk, this is not a Tony Robbins podcast, so you've got a treat today. It's a very, very creepy story that I never want to think about ever again. So I'm telling it to you so that I don't have to have it in the back of my mind. And I was actually saving it for a time where hopefully my boyfriend could come on the podcast and we could talk about it because it was kind of like the first time that I experienced something while he was in the room, but he's too shy. So we're just going to have to persevere without him. And lucky you, you get to hear what went down. Okay, so before I go any further, you just need to know that someone out there is looking out for you today. They're not looking out for me, but they're looking out for you. You might hear a bit of noise in the background, and I'll explain it in a second. Please don't leave just yet. I feel so clingy. I woke up this morning and opened Audacity, was all ready to export the episode to upload it and I saw that the episode was a little bit shorter than I thought it was by about a good 10 minutes and randomly just 10 minutes was cut out from the last time I'd finished editing it's just disappeared it's gone IT boyfriends had a look it's gone but oh god (laughs) so I just need to like oh I'm so distracted (laughs) because There are two houses on the street having construction work done. You can probably hear that in the background. Someone got up and put the washing on and dishwasher. So there's just noise coming from all angles and I'm so stressed. I'm a little sweaty bitty. So I I so hope this noise isn't too annoying. It's only going to be for like 30 seconds. I promise. I'm going to give you some quick fire bullet points. So what you needed to know that your guides or your angels or your past ancestors or the universe thought that you would find too boring and just wanted to come into my computer and like cut it out today was basically my relationship history and my reasons for why I hadn't told people updated that I'm psychic and that I see weird stuff. And it's because a familiar pattern started to emerge after I found about two or three guys that I was comfortable enough to be vulnerable with and just so happened to have a scary experience around them I'd have to share a little bit of the history of the abilities on my side and just so happened to be that for some reason or another a few weeks afterwards they wouldn't want to see me anymore and I mean there's probably a hundred reasons why uh I'm a very problematic person but in my mind I boiled it down to the psychic stuff because that is a bit weird. We know this. It's a bit strange. So by the time I met Dan, I uh, I just wasn't planning on telling him anything anytime soon. So lucky for him, a good like six to nine months go by. But then 
unfortunately something happened and I had to tell him all about it. <laughs> Lucky him. And that is the story I want to share today. So you're probably wondering at this point where the creepy story comes in. Like you didn't sign up for like my own version of Bridget Jones's diary, like me telling you about my relationship with my boyfriend. I promise. I promise I only add in details if they're necessary. I know that doesn't make much sense now, but you'll you'll get it, okay? I promise it's coming. I'll, I'll start talking about it now, okay? Well, let's get into the creepy stuff. So, the house I lived in, uh, it was behind a place called the Inverlochy Art School in Wellington. And I recommend you give it a Google. Inverlochy is spelt I-N-V-E-R. L-O-C-H-Y and it's known in Wellington now to be like one of the most haunted buildings in Wellington. Our flat wasn't attached to the house but it was definitely part of the original I want to say estate but that sounds so fancy. It feels like you know in Downton Abbey how there's like the main house and then there's like servants quarters. It felt like we were living in the servants quarters of this main house and you had to walk down like 50 stairs to get to our house and then because our house was on a big hill you could kind of walk down past the art school and down its driveway as a shortcut to get into town and walk to uni but what that meant as well is that when you were walking home from town at night and you'd walk up past the art school uh There were some interesting vibes. I hated it. I absolutely despised it. I never saw anything there, but you could just feel its energy. And, oh, yeah. I'll um, I'll put some pictures up on my Instagram, maybe. (laughs) But our house had a very interesting layout. That's why we thought it was the service quarters. I guess the central part of the flat was like the big lounge it had windows that looked out over the whole of Wellington and the art school and it had a kitchen attached through a doorway that didn't have a door and then in that kitchen it had like slanted windows that were kind of like shutters but they wouldn't shut so you'd just get Wellington wind through the house all day it was great in winter Um, And then there were bedrooms that kind of lined the outside of the lounge. And then there was like this weird little internal room and a conservatory and a room that you had to walk through the conservatory to get to. It it was a very bizarre layout. Um, But what you gonna do? So (laughs) we were lucky to even find somewhere to live. It's so hard to rent in Wellington. Now, I'd always felt a presence in the place from the moment we moved in. I guess I have to say as well that the presence presence that I felt was not a nice presence. It was the first experience I'd had where I felt like whichever spirit was in the room didn't have my or my flatmate's best interest at heart. Um, I just got the vibe. They kind of enjoyed the fact that I was scared. 
And I don't always get that feeling when spirits come through. So those weren't very fun years that I lived there. <laughs> Honestly, like looking back now, I don't know how I did it. It wasn't like there was a time within those five years that I felt like that spirit wasn't there. It was just, it was a constant. And sometimes I'd see them, sometimes I'd see something in the corner of my eye. Sometimes they'd come through and clear audience Um But yeah, just nasty vibes. Not positive loving ones, but. Um, every room sort of had a different vibe, but the male presence that I felt was predominantly in the lounge and in a corner that kind of looked over the art school and the conservatory. So if I was in my room and like my lights were on, but the lounge didn't have its lights on, I'd quite often see like dark shadows or shapes that would kind of be like human shape Um, but I'd always tell myself that it was just like my eyes adjusting to the dark or it was just my imagination like I I found whatever reason I could under the sun to rationalize it because at that time I couldn't really afford to live anywhere else so I had to stay there so you have to tell yourself these little stories to make yourself feel safe but quite often I'd have to get up to get some water during the night And I'd walk out of my bedroom and into the lounge and then you'd kind of, you'd look down the hallway and turn left and go into this breezy kitchen. And I'd always put the light on in there because it was too creepy to just have a phone light. Like I was sure that if I had my torch on, I'd just raise my phone and there'd be a a person standing there so I, I'd have to put on light but then that meant that again I'd kind of look out into the lounge and see all those dark shapes and figures again so I'd kind of just concentrate on filling out my glass of water I guess but then I always felt like I was being watched like that was kind of a given but there was also that feeling that someone was standing right behind you you know like you know how sometimes you just you feel the energy of someone standing behind you. So you look over your shoulder and like someone's there and maybe you get a little jump. Um, I always felt that there, like every time without fail. So I'd kind of be like filling up my water glass and fighting with myself to either just keep staring at the water and not look behind me or look behind me and give myself some peace of mind. Like I never knew what was the better case scenario there. And the interesting thing about the room I was living in at this point, because as we were students, we'd change the rooms we lived in every year. We'd swap them around because, you know, some were nicer, some weren't as nice. That also meant that each room had its different energies, which I don't want to get into because I just don't want to remember it. But in this room, like, I'd always feel the presence in like the space behind the door so if the door was open 
maybe the thing would be in the lounge. But if my door, bedroom door was closed, it was like right in the space where it would have been like hiding behind the door. And this one night, I remember sitting on my bed with my boyfriend and I so wanted to tell him that I loved him, but he hadn't said it yet. And we were having this conversation being like, there's something I really want to tell you, but I'm so nervous. I don't know how you're going to take it. And he'd just be like, don't say it yet, Lydia, don't say it yet, don't say it yet, I, I I, want us to be in the same place, so there was like that sort of tension going on, and uh, so he knows nothing at this point about my psychic stuff, he doesn't even know that I saw my grandma as an eight-year-old, he knows nothing, just pretend like this is the first time you're listening to a podcast episode, that is how much he knew, absolutely nothing, for all he knew, I was a normal girl. (laughs) What would happen though is that when he'd get up to leave in the morning, he'd kiss me on the forehead goodbye. But before he did that, he'd kind of watch me sleeping for a bit. And I just thought it was the cutest thing ever, right? Because he'd think I was still asleep. I'm such a light sleeper that I was awake and I just wanted to see how he'd react. I just, I'm such a weirdo. I just wanted to see how long he'd watch me while I was sleeping. And I loved those little moments because when he couldn't really verbalize what he felt for me, those moments meant everything. So I thought it was very, very romantic. Anyway, we're six months into our relationship. We've gone to sleep and I'm sleeping on the side of the bed that isn't against the wall. So it's open to the room and you can see the door and Dan's on the other side of me. And I roll over and it was it was still dark outside. It was maybe the early hours of the morning, like maybe two or three. And I just see Dan like kind of propped up on his elbow watching me sleep. And I lie there for a few moments and I'm just like, hmm. I'm just going to pretend I'm not awake. And then I kind of still felt him looking at me. So I I opened my eyes and I just stared into his eyes. And he wasn't blinking. And after a few seconds, I was like, you know what? This isn't really cute anymore. This is a little bit weird. Like this is going into a little bit of a weird territory. So I said to him, I was like, Dan, what are you doing? And at that moment, Dan's head rose up off his pillow into the spot of the face that was looking at me and said, Lid, what are you talking about? So I'd thought I was looking into Dan's eyes. I thought it was him. It was someone else's face entirely. I'm talking about six to seven centimeters away from my face so man I got the shivers right now oh I hate this story so much I honestly despise it so yeah I thought I was looking into Dan's eyes it wasn't as soon as I mentioned his name he had been asleep the whole time and lifted his head up up off the pillow and it just happened to be in the exact same spot taking the place of the face that I'd just been looking into 
so quite a lot happened. Anyway, I screamed and I cried and I made him swap sides with me so that he could kind of spoon me and I felt sandwiched in between him and the wall. So to me, it felt like I was in a small space. There was no space kind of for a spirit to pop in. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Anyway, morning comes around and I'm awkward as hell. I don't know how to act around Daniel and I'm worried about what he's thinking. Um, I'm half expecting like the whole what the fuck was that chat and for him to leave me. Um, And a few hours go by and I'm just sitting there being like, why hasn't he brought this up yet? Like, was it that bad? And so I couldn't stand it any longer. I said to him, I was like, look, I'm sorry about last night. I knew it was probably a really awkward situation for you. I'm really sorry. And he just looks at me and he goes, what are you talking about? And I said to him, I was like, you don't remember me screaming and crying and making you swap places with me? And sandwich myself in between you and the wall you don't remember me crying myself to sleep like I fell asleep out of exhaustion from crying that's how much I cried and he couldn't remember any of it but um it sparked some more questions from there so I probably could have let it go um but I didn't I I um yeah I mentioned then that I'd seen a few things in my time and I wish I could go back and watch his face. (laughs) I was very sparse on the details. I didn't share much. And um, funnily enough, I just got the idea in my head that I'd introduce Dan to my psychic abilities and stages. Like I'd tell him, okay, I I saw my grandma when I was eight. Done. I sometimes hear voices when I go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Next step. I see dead people. Next step, I've had premonitions that have come true. Next step, like, and so on and so forth. Anyway, at this point of my life, when I was 21, the most out-the-gate thing that I'd experienced with my psychic stuff was remembering past lives. And it was sort of at this stage where my sisters thought it was super cool to talk about my past lives. And I remember it was my 22nd, maybe it was my 23rd birthday. So we'd lasted like a whole other six months. And my sister Soph, who you've met, and her husband, Dan and I were on the ferry in Auckland going over to Waiheke for the day to celebrate my birthday. And I can't remember how it was brought up. But we were waiting to take off. So we hadn't even left the dock yet. This is the first time that Dan was meeting my brother-in-law. And that was a really important moment for me. I think it was even the first time he was meeting my sister Soph. And we just slowly edge out of the dock. And my sister says something like, Oh, 
Lydia, is that because you used to be a Spanish dude? And my boyfriend's face was just like, what the fuck? And I was like, Sophie, I was like, I was like, he doesn't know about my past life stuff. And he was like, you're what? And Sophie was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And she thought it was the most hilarious thing ever. And I was just sitting there being like, Sophie, like it was you guys that told me not to tell him about my psychic stuff. You'd thought that I'd scare him away. Now you're scaring him away for me. We're on this boat and he can't get off. <laughs> but that's how he got introduced into the more... Um, weird side of of my little abilities or whatever you call it I don't know what to call it now in similar fashion to that creepy staring story that happened around about six seven years ago I need to get a kind of dream that I had the other night just out of my brain and I need to pass it on to you so that I don't have to think about it anymore and I can just forget it altogether because it just it scared me so much and I just don't want to think about it anymore. So uh, yeah, I don't know if this was a dream or if it happened in real life because... You know how sometimes, like most of the time when you're sick, like if you have the flu or something, you'll have incredibly realistic dreams. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if this is just me, but like I'll have dreams sometimes where I wake up in my bed, I get up, talk to my flatmates, make some breakfast, and then I actually wake up. So I have very, very, very realistic dreams. And that's why I can't really tell if what happened was a dream or if it actually happened, because it happened, gosh, say happened one more time, Lydia. (laughs) I was in that state that I've talked to you about in other episodes where I was just about to fall asleep. So most of the time, I know when I'm awake and a spirit comes through, but I just don't know with this one. So... I'll just, I'll tell you what I remember and then it's gone. I I don't have to think about it again. (sighs) Uh, So I just told you about the creepy dude that used to kind of stare at me right in (laughs) the first part of the episode. And I don't think I touched on it, but in my fifth year living in that flat, he would just come through clear audiency and laugh at me. And it wasn't like he was laughing with me it it almost felt like he was laughing at me for being human and for being a joke like he felt like he was superior because I was a human and I it's so weird that I could even like read so much into a laugh but that's just the vibe I got like I'm quite an observant person and I'd like to say that I can read body language I can read in between the lines when someone says something and they mean something else and that was just the vibe I got from him it just um that I was kind of just a play thing that he could torment really and it, and he enjoyed it he liked scaring me so put that to the side and 
a few nights ago, I was falling asleep. I'd been to a market during the day and I was stupid because I'd picked up a ball of selenite while I was in like a crystal shop. And selenite, if you're not aware of it, is a crystal that helps open up psychic abilities and helps develop them. And I just thought, like, I have some in storage back in Wellington, like the tiniest little crystal. And I thought, hey, you know, wanting these things to develop, maybe I should get some more while I'm here. And I picked up this little sphere. And then I realized, I was like, oh, Lydia, you shouldn't have picked this up because crystals can hold energy from other people right so there were thousands of people that would have gone through this crystal shop and I can't know if that same crystal had been picked up and you know had the energy of however many people have touched that same crystal so I don't know if I'm overthinking with this but I'm I'm a germaphobe and that translates over to crystals as well I can't handle anyone touching my crystals so that's just me trying to keep my my energy safe and in the past some of my guides have told me that to cleanse my sort of I don't know like auric field I guess and to sever any ties with spirits that are lingering around me I can take a walk in the rain like I can either have a shower and imagine being cleansed like by a waterfall while I'm under the water or I can just walk outside in the rain and the rain hits like the crown chakra on the top of my head and just cleanses me and as we were leaving that crystal shop I it was it was spitting it was raining so I just thought huh cool don't have to sever any ties later don't have to do any energy removals and I I can't tell if I had been just checking to see if any spirits were around because as I get less scared of talking to them I'm so much more open to their communication so I know in the past when I've tried to invite any spirits in that were lingering around I'd open up my mind hat right from episode five I'd do the meditation that my spirit guides showed me and it's a really safe way with boundaries to communicate to spirits to whoever's around but I know that I can kind of like engineer a really comfortable space for them to come through and talk like as I'm falling asleep because that's when they do mostly when I'm not wanting them to and they just come in so I don't know if I was just in an open space as I was going to sleep a few nights ago or not so I'm just going to put that to the side um but all I remember is a male spirit laughing at me. And it was the same tormenty laugh that I used to hear from that spirit in the first part of the episode, which is why it sort of sparked my memory of all that time from so long ago. And I think I tried to ask him to leave and he just laughed at me more. And I tried to like build up a shield between me and him, like how Archangel Michael showed me in episode 12, I think, um, just to sort of imagine like this big metal barrier around me. And sometimes I imagine that to be like a big ball, but sometimes I imagine that that armor 
coats every wall in my bedroom so ceiling walls and floor and it's kind of like a safe room right or a panic room and so I was trying to do that and as I was doing that he laughed more and he did what I can only describe as a brain zap um which for about five whole seconds It almost felt like he was sending a telepathic message, but it was through like electric shock. So it felt like I was either getting shock therapy or, oh my gosh. I was just going to say, or a seizure, but I like my, in my mind right now, because I only see the good in people, right? I'm like, maybe, maybe this energy had had shock therapy in a previous life and like, they're trying to cleanse themselves from that. I don't know. I'll, I'll work on that later. Um, it's just me overthinking again. So he zapped me and I got more scared. And I turned around to my boyfriend and I was like, Dan, there's a spirit in the room. He's attached to me and he won't leave. And he, the spirit laughed again and zapped me again. So he was really toying with me at this stage. And if I started to try and talk to my boyfriend or talk to the spirit or create some sort of shield to protect myself, it's almost like I got punished with a little brain zap. Not a little one, it was big. And at some point, I asked for Archangel Michael's help I asked him to come in and help get rid of the spirit or ask for it to leave. And at this point, what I could see of this spirit, because all I could see at the beginning was just like a generic male face, but what I could see after Archangel Michael came in was that it looked like there were about eight umbilical cords connecting me to the spirit. And charging through the connection if that makes sense or that's how they were able to zap me and send me into like mini seizures so Archangel Michael had like these big secateurs or secateurs I don't know how you pronounce that word but you know big gardening scissors and he started chopping all the umbilical cords and he was getting through them and I was like cool this is working this is working thank God. And then we get to the last one and the spirit just laughs again and zaps me for longer. So for about 10 seconds straight. And I just remember being like in fetal position, lying on my left side and just shaking, just being like, is this real? Like I didn't know if it was real. If uh, I don't know. <laughs> scared. Um... I didn't know what was going on because it was all taking place in my bedroom. So for all I knew at that point, it was real. But I don't, I don't know. I've got some doubts. Um, I don't know how long it took, but Archangel Michael was able to cut the last umbilical cord and all of a sudden I was dreaming. And this wasn't a dream like the one I was in. It was something completely different completely different setting I was outside I don't even remember what happened in that dream oh I don't like that though because if I don't remember what happened in that dream 
why do I remember every single detail of what happened before that? That makes no sense. If it was a dream, I wouldn't remember. Yuck. And I just hope that sort of thing doesn't really happen again. I haven't asked my boyfriend if he remembers me turning to him throughout the night because, I mean, as you know now, he doesn't remember anything. Like, he's got the memory of a fish, whereas I'm, like, robotic in terms of my memory. I remember everything. So there just kind of isn't any point. Um, But for the last few nights since that dream or whatever it was, I've been shielding before I even turn the lights off, really just to make sure nothing can come through. But I don't know. I just don't want it to deter me from trying to let my abilities develop further. Um, There must be some further meaning in it somewhere. Yeah, I just wanted those two experiences out there and now I don't have to think about them ever again. But I'm sorry if I've passed the baton on to you now. Now you have to think about them. But hey, that's your problem. <laughs> no, it's so, it's so mean. No, I don't mean that. <laughs> I promise. By the time you hear from me in next fortnight, I'm sure I probably would have forgotten that this all happened. So don't worry about little me. I'm so glad that you've sat through today and listened to my weird little stories because they are freaking weird. You deserve a medal. Good on you. (laughs) I'll see you tomorrow on my Instagram story for the question box for the episode, just in case you have any questions, any thoughts, any theories, or any similar stories that you've experienced. Uh, If you like the podcast, please share it with someone that you think might like it too then you've got someone to talk about it with. (laughs) (laughs) Win-win. And for the love of God, I really do hope that when you go to sleep tonight, you don't wake up to anyone staring at you. (laughs) Unless it's your partner, you know, but yeah, that's a bit creepy. (laughs) I hope you don't experience that, but best, best, best of luck going to sleep tonight. I'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye.